This episode features violence against an individual under the age of 18. Listener discretion is strongly advised. 2003. 13-year-old Rebecca Williams had just finished up her 8th grade year at Morton Middle School in Omaha, Nebraska. At the time, she was living with her mother, but was set to soon move to Las Vegas, Nevada to live with her father. On a normal June day, she would leave her home in the Park Meadows mobile home community and head to a nearby playground. When she failed to return home, her mother would report her missing to the police. Initially considered a runaway by police, a grim discovery two weeks later proved them mistaken when Rebecca's body would be found. An investigation would ensue, and a surprising prime suspect would be revealed. This is Midwest Mystery Files, Episode 33, The Murder of Rebecca Williams. Hello everyone, and welcome to Midwest Mystery Files. I'm your host, Jeremiah, with just a few quick things before we start. Midwest Mystery Files is a true crime podcast focused on missing and murdered cases within the Midwestern region of the United States. I can be found on all major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube with delayed episodes. Social media and contact info will be listed at the end of the episode. If you wish to support the podcast and help fund article and record searches, as well as get early access to episodes and bonus episodes, I encourage you to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash midwestmysteryfiles. I would also like to take this moment to thank my amazing patrons, Laura, Todd, Teresa, and Sherry. Today's case occurred in a mobile home park in northern Omaha, Nebraska. So northern, that if it wasn't for the new sections of suburban development, you would basically be outside of the city. I found Rebecca's case by chance, while reading an article that was posted in several Nebraska newspapers in 2016. The article listed several Nebraska cold cases, some I knew, and many that lived in obscurity. Rebecca's case falls into the latter. When first googling her name, there was little promise of putting a case together. No write-ups on Reddit, Uncovered, Web Sleuths, or Our Black Girls. And there was only links to two articles that basically just asked for information about her murder and not much else. It wasn't until I dug into newspaper search engines that I was able to find information on Rebecca and the investigation into her murder. I was also taken aback at the surprising twist it took almost right away. So, without further ado, let's get started. Rebecca Lynn Williams was born August 15, 1989, to Stanley Williams and Shelley Reitman in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was unable to find any information between her birth and 2003, but from what I could find, Shelley would move to Omaha at some point, changing her last name to McCormick after getting married, and she would take Rebecca with her while Stanley remained in Las Vegas. In summer of 2003, 13-year-old Rebecca was living with her mother, stepfather, and two siblings in the Park Meadow Mobile Home Court located at 7040 North 110th Plaza on the far northern edge of Omaha, Nebraska. Rebecca had just finished up 8th grade at Morton Middle School and was set to begin high school in Las Vegas in the fall. 
as reports state she was set to move back to Las Vegas with her father, Stanley Williams. The Omaha World Herald would quote administration from her school as stating that Rebecca had a passion for drawing and that she always talked about going into a profession where she could help people or animals. Anita Hawkins, the dean of students, would tell the Herald, quote, It's typical of Rebecca to care for others. She was the first person in her tightly knit group of friends to lend an ear or find help if they were hurting. Morton Principal Ivory Woods would state that people passing Rebecca in the hallway couldn't help but talk to her after seeing her bright, infectious smile. Tuesday, June 3rd, 2003, was cool for a summer day, with highs only hitting around 62 degrees. However, it was summer, school was out, and a slightly cooler day wasn't going to hinder any teenage girl's enjoyment of the day, Rebecca included. According to her mother, Shelly, Rebecca left the family's home that day to go hang out at the nearby playground, located on the west end of the mobile home court. According to reports, Rebecca was seen at the playground at around 6.30 or 7. However, she would fail to return home by evening's end. Upon failing to return home, Shelley would waste little time reporting her missing to the police. According to reports, police first considered Rebecca to be a runaway. The family would immediately dismiss the idea that Rebecca would run away, with Shelley telling the Omaha World Herald that Rebecca always acted responsibly and it was highly unlikely that she would run away. Her father, Stanley Williams, would tell the World Herald in a phone interview that Rebecca was excited to be moving back to Las Vegas with him. Over the next two weeks, Shelley and other family members would search areas around the Park Meadow mobile home court, focusing heavily on the playground which was located on the west end of the community on 114th Street. Shelley would tell the World Herald that they searched the area every day for the first week, returning every other day during the second week. She would state that during the searches, she was constantly feeling drawn to the park, stating, quote, It's where she said she was going to be. As it would unfortunately turn out, Shelley's feelings weren't far off the mark. On Wednesday, June 18th, 2003, three boys were searching for mulberries in a wooded area near 114th Street and Ida Street, which is the intersection at the southwest corner of the development, when they stumbled across a badly decomposing body. The boys, upon discovering the body, reportedly made a pact not to tell anyone about the discovery. One of the boys, a 15-year-old who I will not be naming, would feel uneasy about the decision, however, and would tell his father about the discovery in the early hours of June 19th. The father, being awakened in the middle of the night, dismissed what his son was saying as a sort of dream. However, that afternoon, the father and son, who lived near the site, would return to the area where the father would find the body and report it to the police. The 15-year-old boy would tell the Omaha World Herald, quote, we made a pact not to tell because we didn't want the media coming around asking questions. Upon reporting the body, investigators would arrive on scene and begin efforts for identification. Due to the decomposition, investigators were unable to make an identification right away. However, they would run the fingerprints on the body against those of Rebecca, which she had had taken as a child. 
After several days, the results would confirm that the victim was indeed 13-year-old Rebecca Williams. Foul play was suspected immediately. Reports would later state Rebecca was found partially unclothed, which was also stated by the father of the boy who discovered Rebecca's body, telling the World Herald that she only had socks on, with her denim shorts laying nearby. Rebecca's slaying would shock individuals in the neighborhood, as well as classmates and school officials, with many finding it hard to believe that such a sweet, respectable, and friendly girl was taken from this world in such a matter. Morton Middle School Dean of Students would note to the World Herald, quote, she had a lot of potential, while other officials would note that she was a sensitive and caring young lady with an infectious smile. Another Park Meadows resident would note that Rebecca had played on her porch with her daughter the day before she disappeared, stating, quote, Rebecca always seemed happy and well-behaved. Police would spend considerable time investigating the area in and around the Park Meadows area, as well as execute several warrants in relation to the case. It would only be weeks later, at the beginning of July, that word would come of a prime suspect, and the circumstances would shock and surprise everyone involved. In early July, it was revealed that a 13-year-old boy who lived in the Park Meadows mobile home court was being looked at as the prime suspect in Rebecca's murder. The boy's attorney, Randall Paragus, would tell the Omaha World Herald that there were allegedly three boys being looked at in the case, and that it was unclear if his client was being treated as a suspect or witness. He would go on to state, quote, We're in a very conservative community. It's shocking when a 13-year-old is involved in any way in a murder investigation. It just shocks the community to the core. I need to know how they're looking at my client. I have not been given any information in that regard. Paragus would state that the boy only talked to the police briefly on June 23rd, five days after Rebecca's body was discovered, before Paragus arrived and stopped the questioning. He would also state that the boy had given investigators a blood sample that was being tested against evidence found at the scene. Paragus would also state that none of the boys who discovered Rebecca were being looked at as suspects. Douglas County Sheriff Tim Dunning would tell the World Herald that they had indeed identified a primary suspect and that the suspect was not cooperating. Dunning would decline to identify the suspect, but a source close to the investigation would tell the World Herald that the suspect was Randall Paragus's client. Shelley McCormick would be one of the most surprised after being told that a 13-year-old boy was being zeroed in on, stating, quote, I was kind of shocked. I didn't expect them to have someone so soon. She was also not aware of Rebecca having any issues with any of the neighborhood children, and would go on to state, quote, I would have gone to the park with her if I knew she was having problems with someone in the neighborhood. Shelley would also note that the discovery of the suspect did little to relieve her situation, telling the Herald, quote, I will be relieved when justice is done. No matter who the suspect is, they need to be punished for what they did to my daughter. In the days following the article, while investigators worked to find more evidence, an anonymous person 
placed a call to the Omaha Police Crime Stoppers line, providing information about Rebecca's case. Information that the Douglas County Sheriff's Office would state during a press conference, only someone close to the killer would know. They would also make a plea for the tipster to call back. Captain Dean Olson of the Sheriff's Office would state, quote, We think they've got information directly related to the identity of the person related to this homicide. He would continue on to state that while they did have a prime suspect, they did not have enough information to make an arrest, and they had further questions that they wanted to ask the tipster. Olson would continue on to state, quote, The fact they called originally means they have a sense of conscience. In the following days, management at Park Meadows would offer $4,000 in addition to $1,000 being offered by the Douglas County Sheriff's Office Crime Stoppers for information in Rebecca's murder. Park management would cite concern for residents and justice for Rebecca as the prime cause for the donation. On July 25, 2003, another press conference would be called where Shelley McCormick, her husband Eric, and their children would be present. Douglas County Sheriff Tim Dunning would read a letter written by the family on their behalf. The article I read didn't contain the entire letter, but the parts it did quote Sheriff Dunning as reading are as follows. Quote, Our family is suffering more than you can imagine since you took Rebecca from us. Her senseless death haunts us day and night, and we think it haunts you. What you have done is not a secret you can hide from. It will dog you every step until you do the right thing. Hiding behind attorneys will not make this tragedy go away. Only you can lift this terrible burden from your shoulders and help us understand why, so that our family and yours can heal. The article would also state that the letter accused the suspect of enjoying the summer as if nothing happened, pointing to the fact that police and family were still focused on the 13-year-old boy. Sheriff Dunning would note that nothing had caused them to stray away from their main suspect, and the suspect and many witnesses remained uncooperative. He would also state that investigators were still waiting for lab results on the crime scene and items that had been seized from locations related to the main suspect. While Sheriff Dunning had read the letter from the family, Sherry McCormick would make at least one statement. Quote, The one thing about Rebecca is no matter what, she always came back and told the truth. And that's just what we want. The truth. It's at this juncture that all coverage I could find on the case goes quiet for several months, until April of 2004. At that time, it was reported by the Omaha World Herald that a grand jury was set to probe Rebecca Williams' death. Mark Rhodes, the chief criminal prosecutor at the Douglas County Attorney's Office, would tell the Omaha World Herald that investigators had exhausted all avenues in trying to positively establish who killed Rebecca Williams. He would state, quote, We want justice for this little girl's family, and we feel like we have a better chance of bringing justice by using this investigative body. He would also note that there had still been a lack of cooperation from major witnesses in the case, which included the prime suspect. The article would go on to cite the warrant that had been issued for the 13, now 14-year-old suspect, and bring to light some reasons as to why he was being looked at. According to the warrant, 
Rebecca had last been seen with the boy between the times of 6.30 and 7 p.m. on June 3, 2003. The boy and his mother agreed to an interview with investigators where the boy admitted to kissing and fondling Rebecca, as well as asking her for sex the night before her disappearance. It would be at this point that the boy's attorney, Randall Paragus, would arrive and cut off questioning. Outside of interviewing the suspect, a friend of the boy would tell deputies that he called the suspect right around the time investigators think Rebecca disappeared and he could hear a female voice in the background. A deputy had also noted that the suspect had a scab on his cheek that was, as the warrant was worded, quote, consistent with the type of injury inflicted by a struggling victim. I believe we've talked about grand juries before, but just as a refresher, grand juries are generally made up of 16 to 23 people. In this case, there were 16 and 3 alternates. The juries meet in secret under the guidance of a prosecutor and have the power to call witnesses, ask far-ranging questions, and bring indictments. They also have more power than the police or prosecutors to compel people to testify. For example, jurors can issue subpoenas requiring people to appear before them. Those subpoenaed, however, can also exercise their Fifth Amendment right to not answer questions if the testimony could incriminate them. In the state of Nebraska, grand juries are generally used when an individual dies when being pursued by police or in their custody. This would be the first time in 25 years a case such as Rebecca's was being looked at. The grand jury trial would begin June 2nd, 2004. In a June 4th Omaha World Herald article, it would be revealed that the now 14-year-old suspect would not speak and was in fact invoking his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Douglas County Public Defender Tom Riley, who was representing the boy, would tell the press that the boy was apprehensive, scared, and confused about the whole process. Furthermore, he would state, quote, He's what you would expect from a 14-year-old. That's part of the reason why I made the choice I made in terms of him appearing before the grand jury. He would further state he was not allowing the boy to testify because the process was, quote, slanted and not conducive to revealing the whole story. What he was most likely referring to is the fact that while defense attorneys are to accompany witnesses in front of a grand jury, they're not allowed to address the grand jury, ask questions of their client, or clarify their client's answers. Meanwhile, no judge is present at a grand jury, and the prosecutor and the jury can ask far-ranging questions. Riley would expand on this by stating, quote, Given the fact that there is no judge, and the only people who can ask questions are the prosecutor and jurors, I cannot imagine a situation in which I would advise a client to testify. Outside of the prime suspect, I do know at least two other juvenile witnesses were called, but it's unclear if they were questioned or not. Stan Williams, Rebecca's father, was present at the courthouse during the grand jury hearing. When asked about his daughter, he would tell the Omaha World Herald, quote, Every day I think about her. It's not going to go away. I hope justice comes about. I hope her murder is vindicated. I hope this guy gets everything he deserves, if he is indeed the one who did it. According to reports, the jury was set to finish hearing testimony on June 6th before concluding on whether to file charges in the case. 
However, the jury was suddenly tasked with doing a probe on a police shooting as well, with the jury set to resume on Rebecca's case after the shooting probe. However, according to a July 9th Omaha World Herald article, after the shooting probe, the jury was sent home rather than resuming work on Rebecca's case. On this, Mark Rhodes, the chief prosecuting attorney, would tell the Herald, quote, Testimony and continued investigation have resulted in several matters that require the Douglas County Sheriff's Office to investigate further. At this point, the grand jury had until January 4, 2005, to reconvene before their term would expire. Rhodes would go on to state that the deputy's work at the Sheriff's Office was ongoing, and he did not know if he would actually need to reconvene the jury, stating, quote, if these new investigative leads turn up sufficient information, this office could file a charge without the need for a reseating of the grand jury. He would continue on to state, quote, If any new information clears the target of this investigation, then I will immediately notify counsel and the media. I am going to backtrack just a bit. Shortly after June 6th, when the initial jury investigation would have ended, on June 10th, it was reported that new evidence had been found. Forensic scientists from the Forensic Science Program at Nebraska Wesleyan University went to the area where Rebecca was found and laid out a grid of one meter squares and then examined the scene as one would an archaeological dig, one square at a time. Melissa Connor, who led the investigation, would tell the Herald, quote, Our techniques are most useful in older cases, or in scattered body cases. The nature of the evidence was never revealed, but Douglas County Crime Scene Investigation Commander David Kofod would tell the Herald, quote, They were a great help in recovering some things that we could not have recovered from a scene that old. One can only wonder if this is what led to the jury being disbanded. It's after this that any coverage of the grand jury or Rebecca's case in general, stops. At least from what I could find. I checked again and checked again in various news databases, and was never able to find out if the jury ever receded, and if they did, what their conclusions were. However, we know that no one is currently serving time for Rebecca's murder, so it's easy to deduce that they most likely never reconvened or did not have enough evidence to charge the boy. I truly feel if they had charged him and it moved to a normal trial, I would have definitely been able to find something on it, especially from a paper like the Omaha World Herald. The only thing I could find in later years is the article from 2016 listing off various cold cases in Nebraska, the same article where I first ran across Rebecca Williams's case. It's been almost 21 years now since Rebecca Williams was senselessly taken from this world, and while a suspect was found early on, there seems to still be as few answers now as there was then. Coverage of her case since 2004 has also been non-existent. At this point, there's really only two theories to look at. Either the 13-year-old boy committed the murder, or he didn't. Obviously, the idea of a 13-year-old committing murder is quite shocking, but it also unfortunately is not unheard of. And from what we know on paper, it's easy to see why he's a prime suspect. The boy was reportedly seen with Rebecca shortly before her disappearance around the Park Meadow playground. 
Rebecca was then discovered not far from that same area. A friend also spoke with the boy on his cell phone around that same time and reported hearing a female voice. The boy would also admit to kissing and fondling Rebecca the night before her disappearance, as well as propositioning her for sex. At least one deputy would also report seeing a wound on the suspect's cheek consisted with wounds generally received from someone who was fighting back. Really, without strong DNA or physical evidence, these are obviously all circumstantial pieces of evidence. But it's easy to paint a picture of what could have possibly happened. It certainly seems possible that after the events before the night of Rebecca's murder, between her and the boy, that the two could have met up at the playground, either intentionally or unintentionally. They then left into the wooded area nearby, and things very quickly went bad resulting in Rebecca's murder. The other option is that the two left the park separately, and Rebecca immediately met with foul play from a yet unidentified party. Beyond that, I am hesitant to really speculate any more on the course of events. One thing we're missing is what the mood seemed to be like between the two at the playground. We know there are witnesses to whom I can assume possibly have that answer, and the mood could give us clues as to what may have happened next. We also don't know exactly how Rebecca was killed, which may either be due to decomposition or police keeping it close to their chest. While a 13-year-old boy is certainly capable of a great deal of damage, certain feats of strength or violence that could result in death could possibly only be committed by someone who is older. One thing I do have to say on the young man is this. Investigators and prosecutors did seem very dead set on getting to the bottom of what he knew or may have committed. So much so that they went as far as a grand jury investigation. Some could chalk this up to overzealousness or overconfidence. However, a situation like this could very quickly blow up in their face and lead to anything from bad press to lawsuits all in the name of what could be perceived as railroading a potentially innocent young man. Part of me just can't help but think that they wouldn't go forward with such a risk if they weren't at least very confident that they had the right person. Some would say him hiding behind a lawyer and refusing to speak is a sign of guilt. However, I can't exactly fault him on this one. Even if you know you're 100% innocent, if you somehow find yourself involved in a murder investigation... Don't ever talk to the police without a lawyer. This goes double when you're a child. In the case that he was innocent, he could easily be badgered or asked leading questions by the grand jury or investigators and get himself into a spot he shouldn't be in. Either way, it would seem that they were never able to procure the evidence needed to move forward with charges. And if he was indeed guilty, we can only hope he's never struck again. That sort of rage and sense of entitlement in such a young boy is already a terrifying thought, but it's even more terrifying if left unchecked. And in the same vein to that, I'm also going to throw in my own personal anecdote here as the father of two girls, with one being the same age that Rebecca Williams was. I'll keep it short and simple. No means no. And that is a lesson that is highly encouraged to be taught early on and reiterated through growth. 
if he wasn't guilty, then someone else is out there capable of murder. And we can only hope that they also have never struck again. And in either case, we have to hope that justice will one day be served. One last thing before moving out of the theory section. We do know there were two witnesses who also proved to be uncooperative. These witnesses were juveniles as well, likely acquaintances of Rebecca or the boy. And this goes to them. I don't know if you're listening, but if you do know something, it's not too late to speak up and say what you know. I have to say, I didn't speak much to the tipster who called the Omaha Crime Stoppers in the days after Rebecca's body was discovered. But while I obviously don't know for sure, I can't help but wonder if maybe it was one of you who called the tip in. If it indeed was, then like the investigators said, you at least have a conscience. And now is a better time than ever to let it shine, and possibly bring this young girl and her family justice. 20, almost 21, years ago, 13-year-old Rebecca Williams, a girl who was described as loving, helpful, and always willing to lend an ear, left her home in Omaha, Nebraska, and went to hang out at the local playground. And instead of coming home to her mom, stepfather, and siblings, instead of moving to Las Vegas with her father, instead of starting high school, and instead of growing up to help people or animals like she wished to do, someone thought it was their right to keep Rebecca from doing those things. Someone thought it was their right to do as they wished with her, and then rip her from this world and her family. In the first year of Rebecca's murder, investigators were hell-bent on finding Rebecca's killer and holding them accountable. So much so that they resorted to a grand jury, which was a rare occasion in Nebraska. Coverage was also plentiful from the media as well. However, both those flames seemed to be quick to burn out, and mentions of Rebecca are virtually non-existent in the media after 2004. It's truly baffling to me that a 13-year-old girl can be murdered with such a high-profile yet unnamed suspect, and her case is then thrown into virtual obscurity. As always, I highly encourage everyone to also help spread the word and share Rebecca's story. 20 years certainly isn't too long for justice to be found, and there's still plenty to be found here. If you have any information on the murder of Rebecca Williams, please contact the Douglas County Sheriff's Department at 402-444-6641. If you're looking for any further information, everything I found was located in archived articles from the Omaha Daily Herald, spanning from 2003 to through 2004. If you wish to let me know what you think happened, have case suggestions or comments, or just want to follow me and the show on social media, I can be found on Instagram at Midwest Mystery Files, X at Files Midwest, and on Facebook by searching for Midwest Mystery Files. You can also email me at midwestmysteryfiles at gmail.com. I do also post photos and sometimes links relevant to each case on social media, mainly on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods, please feel free to rate and review the show. 
This helps make the show more visible in searches and, more importantly, helps bring attention to the cases I cover. Thank you to all who have done so already. I also want to take a quick second, as the year comes to an end, to thank everybody who's stuck it out with me. As I've said before, I know I'm not always the most consistent person, and I'm hoping to work on that going forward. But as always, you know, the, as long as these cases get out there, that's what's most important to me. And I just want to thank all of you who have stayed dedicated and listening over the last basically two and a half years, a little over two and a half years, I think. So I just want to know I appreciate all of you, and I appreciate anyone who's helped to get the word out for these cases, or anyone who's, you know, just listened. See you all, or you'll all be hearing from me uh, after the new year. I don't think we'll have anything out before then. But uh, take care, everyone, and I will see you all next time.